Thanks, Pastor Mark and uh, Pastor Allen for sharing that uh, the ministries and how churches and how we can come together uh, because we really need to be unified and we really need to be a, a testimony to the world that we are disciples of Christ, that we're followers of Christ, that regardless of our differences, regardless of our methodology and regardless of our different experiences, that we come under the Lordship of Christ to make a difference in this world that desperately need to hear about the gospel. And that's what I'm talking about. That's what the, the, the church and the ministries that are under the Lordship of Christ to be the salt and light of this world. So let's join together because we're not alone on this because we're supposed to, we're called to join together to make a greater and bigger impact in the city of Chicago. All for the honor and glory to him. Well, I am so excited to be here this morning. And you know why I'm so excited? Because, again, to be with all of you, and I have the privilege to proclaim and to teach the Word of God. And I, I love doing that. And so it, it's really, that's why it, it, it excites me and it, it pumps me up to be here every Sunday uh, to, to proclaim and teach, your, teach the Word of God and to be with all of you. And so let's pray, and then we'll go into the Word. Father, we thank you and we praise you and we love you because you are good and you are faithful and that we belong to you, that we are your creation, but more importantly, we are your children. So we thank you and we pray that you will remind us that this morning, that we find our identity not in the things of this world, not in our work not in our friendship, but we find our identity as a child of God. And no one can take that away from us from that. So God, I pray that you would bless this word. May the meditation of my heart and the words that are spoken through this servant may be pleasing to you. In the holy name of Christ we pray. Amen. Last week, I announced that we're beginning of March, we're starting a brand new series called, Who Are We? And the reason why I wanted to teach this series is because oftentimes, if not all the time, we get confused. Even Christians get confused. That we, 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 find, we identify ourselves with the people that we hang out with, or the jobs, or, or back family background. But we find our true identity in Christ Jesus as a child of God. And that's why I wanted to teach this series in, in March. So this morning we're going to talk about who are we as a child, a children of God. We are, next week we're going to talk about we are citizens of heaven. And third week we're going to talk about we are Christ's ambassadors. And fourth, we're going to talk about we are the bride of Christ. And so today we'll focus on we are children of God. Today, more than ever, I believe people are searching for hope. Amen? But sadly, people in this world know nothing about the hope that uplifts the soul, that produces joy in the heart. Now, all of us can agree that in our church we have joy in the heart. But I'm sure you know family and friends 
they are not experiencing the same joy that you have. Because they don't have Christ in their heart. True hope, I believe, gives life and happiness in this polluted and debt-filled world. Unfortunately, people put their confidence in security that are temporal fixes that leave them feeling empty over and over and over again. For example, drugs, alcohol, unhealthy relationships, entertainment, materialism, and self-centered desire for a better future. All of these are false hopes that will lead to an empty, broken spirit. The way that the world views hope is more like a wishful thinking that is not based on God's promises or truth. It's not based on the word that he is faithful and true. But for you and me, for you and I, we are different. Because why? We're children of God. And our hope is not based on wishful thinking. Thank God for that. But our faith, our hope, is based on his absolute truth and his promises. Amen? Our text this morning is from 1 John chapter 2, verses 28 through chapter 3, verse 3. Although it seems like it's a long text, it's not. Let me warn you. In this text, John teaches us the essence of what biblical hope is about. Furthermore, having biblical hope, having possessing biblical hope as you and I, he gives us specific instructions how we are to live as God's children. I don't know about you, but I need his instructions daily how I need to follow Jesus, how I need to live for him. Amen? John begins a new section in verse 28, and we know this because he said, and now. Now, in this biblical context, now means a new section in verse 28. And he says, dear children. Now, the Greek word for children is kalaninon, translated as little children. Now, he's not being of offensive or he's not being cr criticizing you are little children. No, on the contrary, he's not saying that. But in the biblical meaning, when he says little children, he's referring to someone deeply loved. So John is writing as a pastor to a deeply loved flock. He's saying, listen, you are deeply loved by me. And because I love you, I want to give you advice how to live. He says, continue in him. In other words, remain in me. If you remember in the Gospel of John, what does Jesus say to his disciples? He says what? Remain in me and I remain in you. Other translations will say, abide in me and I will abide in you. Do you see that there is that relationship? He says, remain in me, I remain in you, and we are connected, and we, are, we have this relationship. 
And it's not only a temporal fix, but it's a long-term relationship that will last for eternity. He says, I want you to invest in a relationship that will last for eternity. How many of us make, make investment? We make investments, right? Whether it may be our home, whether it may be a, we may purchase a car, it's an investment so that we can have a transportation. We make an investment in our savings, and the investments goes on. But when this life is over, you can't take those investments with you. Amen? But that's what Jesus Christ is saying, is make investments that will last for eternity. And same with us is that, again, not only as we, again, we make investment with Jesus Christ, but what follows is that we make investments with one another. Because that will last for eternity as well. I know that I'm going to see Pastor Mark after this life is over, and we're going to spend the rest of eternity up in heaven. Because I am investing my relationship with him and I, and he is investing his relationship with me. You see how that works. Who do you want to see in heaven? The person that you want to see in heaven, does he have a relation, he or she have a relationship with Jesus? We pray and hope that he, he or she does. But if he or she does not, then we need to have a sense of urgency to help that person to know Jesus so that you would see that person up in heaven. Amen? So that's why, again, it goes back to investment. So Jesus is saying, abide in me, and I will abide in you. And so, again, John here says it again, continue in him. The question is why? John says, so that when he, meaning Jesus, appears. John is saying, listen, Jesus is going to appear someday. Jesus is going to come back. And he's kind of saying, are you ready for his coming? And that is why he says, continue in him, because what? So when he appears, you may be confident of his appearing and unashamed before him and his coming. One day Jesus is coming back, amen? And I long for that day. The Greek word for the second coming is parousia. Now, depending on our relationship with Jesus Christ, people will react differently of his coming, right? People don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ. What do you think, how, how, how do you think they're going to fear? I mean, how do they going to fear? Are they going to be confident? Or are they going to feel insecure or afraid or fear or ashamed? Depending on our relationship with Jesus Christ, how we react of his coming, is going to be different. Christians will have confidence. You and I will be have confidence. It would, also, it would also be translated as boldness. We would have boldness of his appearing. We would have courage. Or we would have a freedom of speech. That's what it means here, the word confidence. Confidence of freedom of speech. But let me press the pause button here. What does that mean, confidence of speech? So when he comes, are you going to say, man, I'm confident I'm going to talk to him? No, it goes deeper than that. But he's talking about now. Let me take you back to now. What the Hebrew, the author of Hebrews is saying, that we may be confident to be in his presence in prayer. So not only confident when he's appearing, 
but also confident now that we can go to him anytime, any place, with anything. I was talking to my dear sister earlier that we can go to Jesus with even the littlest thing, poquito. Littlest thing. Nothing is too trivial for him, amen? And that's where we find our confidence in, that we know that Jesus will be listening to us regardless of how big or small. Nothing's too big for him. So that we can be confident in him. So, but... The only way that you and I can be confident in him in the second coming is when we are, when we continue to be in him, to abide in him. And that is the question that I would like to ask all of us, beginning with myself. Am I continuing to be in him daily? Am I uh, remain in him daily? Not saying, say, okay, I, 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 rem- I remained in him yesterday, so today I could take a little break. It doesn't work that way, right? I remained in him yesterday. I will remain in him today. Tomorrow, I will remain in him again. That's why John said, continue to remain in him. While others, their unbelievers, were put to be, were put to shame. That's what John says. Other translation would be dishonor. In the last day, people have many doubts about God's existence, right? As you share the gospel with someone, and I hope you do, as you talk with different type of people, some of them have doubts about God's existence. You all know that, right? And that's... But the fact, the truth is, regardless of their doubt of God's existence or not, the point that John is making is that everyone's life will come to an end one day. Everyone. That's the reality of life. I remember Steve Jobs. He's the uh, CEO of Apple. And he passed away when he was 56 years old. You know how much he was worth? Seven billion. Seven billion. He's only 56 years old. He passed away. I remember Kobe Bryant. He was only 41 years old. And he passed away. He was worth almost one billion. Now, I'm not, I don't know if Kobe or Steve knows the Lord. That's not the point. The point that I'm making is that Everyone's life will come to an end one day. But if people never thought about God and do not have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, that in the last day, they will be put to shame. John certainly does not want that for anyone. And certainly you don't want that for anyone. So he tells us to practice righteousness. Notice in verse 29, he says, if you know that he is righteous, meaning if you know that God is righteous, the Greek word know is idol, the idea of perceiving the absolute truth. 
So John is saying, if you know God is absolute truth and that he is righteous, then naturally that you being born again and that you being the child of God, then you yourself will practice righteousness in your life. Amen? Apple tree produces what? You heard me say this before. Or someone else. It naturally produces apples. It's not going to produce oranges. Orange tree produces orange. So do you see the logic what John is saying here is that you being born again and you being the child of God, if God is righteous, then you will be righteous as well. In Romans chapter 6, verse 18, Paul says this, You have been set free from sin, and you have become slaves to righteousness. Paul is saying, once you committed your life to follow Christ, you will stop sinning. But if you still want to be a slave, then be a slave to sin. Excuse me, slave to righteousness. That's my version. If you still want to be a slave to something, then be slave to righteousness. Righteousness is the byproduct of being born again. Notice what John says in the latter part of verse 29. He says, you may be sure that everyone who practices righteousness has been what? Born of him. In other words, born again. Are you born again? Amen. Does that reflect the glory of God in your life? Righteousness. If someone see you, will they see the practice of righteousness? You practicing righteousness in your life. Children exhibits the parents' characteristics, right? Because a child shares the DNA of their parent, but also they learn from their parents as well. My father has uh, high cholesterol, and um, so he's had to be on medication. And that controls that. I love my father uh, dearly, but because I share in his DNA that I also have borderline cholesterol. Now, if you look at me, even the doctor said, how can you have cholesterol, high, you know, borderline cholesterol? You do, you're fit. But I do. And the reason why is because I share my DNA with my father. And so I exercised. I, I, I diet, you know, to lower that. But there was a limit. The lowest I can go was borderline. Now, that was still safe. But my brother-in-law, knowing the family history, he said, Nick, I think you need to be on a very low dose of Crestor. That's lowering cholesterol. Because you cannot lower it any further from diet and exercise. There is a limit because that's who you are. That's, part, that's in your genes. That's your DNA. So I said, I was hesitant, but he says, don't worry. Just take it. So I trust my brother-in-law, I take it, and as soon as I take in the medication, whew, it lowers us down. So any, any of you guys, okay, I want to encourage you. If your doctor said take medication, you take it, okay? As again, if doctor said take the vaccine, take the vaccine. Take the vaccine. My brother-in-law, again, and her sister, special shout-out to them. But anyway, they themselves take it, taking it. So it's safe. 
If you're, if you're kind of concerned or worried about it, it's safe. By the way, I'm not getting paid for this. <laughs> and Pastor Mark, I'm waiting for that one shot. <laughs> Johnson and Johnson. And I'm not qualified anyway. They said, you have to be on a waiting list for a long time. But I'll, that's fine. I will once John, one shot, Johnson and Johnson. But do you see the point that I'm making? Just as I share the DNA with my father and I, and I have some of his characteristics, in the same way that you share the DNA of your heavenly father and that you share the characteristics of who he is and that God is a righteous God and therefore we sharing his DNA and that we are born in him, that we need to be righteous as well. That's because that's who we are, Amen. It's built in you. But the good news is, when we are born again, we are the child of God, a righteous father, right? So righteousness is part of our DNA, and, the, and as a result, we will continue in him, continue to remain in him. And we learned to practice righteousness in our own lives so that people can be blessed by us. John's writing about being born of God. He can't help but shout out about God's, the Father's great love. Notice in John chapter 3, verse 1, John said this, See what great love the Father has. If you cannot remember anything I said, underline the words on your Bible of this. See what great love the Father has. Has what? For you, for me. And I love this word. And you're going to know why I love this word. Lavished. What does that mean? Abundance. Overflow. John is saying, what a great love the Father has that he lavished on us. That we should be called children of God. Aren't you blessed? You may be going through some trials and tribulation today. But that should not be the case because why? Yes, those trials and tribulation, we don't want to, you know, uh, belittle that in any way. But what would overpower that trials and tribulations or suffering is the lavish love of God. Amen? Here's your trials and tribulation. And here's the lavish love of God overpowering it. Amen? The Greek word for great is panepos, which means from what country? Now, does that make sense? From what country? The question is, why did John use the phrase, what country? Let me explain. John, knowing how the Father's love is not part of this world, or so foreign to our understanding, he is thinking to himself, where is it from? From what country is this? Because it's so foreign that there is this God Almighty that loves us and that desires an intimate, loving relationship with his creation. And he calls us his children. 
Because he lavishes love upon us as his children, in the Greek, the children of God has this idea of anyone living in full dependence on the Heavenly Father. Fully relying upon the Lord in glad submission. You know, one thing I miss, I'm going to put Rachel in a spot. Sorry, Rachel. But one thing I miss when she was a child, she was fully dependent on me. You know? And what I said, she obeyed. Fully submit. Now, she's a teenager. And she acts like a typical teenager. You all know what I'm talking about? (laughs) But our children naturally grow to be independent. But we cannot carry that over to to our Heavenly Father relationship. We don't grow to be independent, but we grow to be what? Dependent. We grow into submission. We grow into reliance. And when we do that, then God transforms us more and more to his likeness. I don't know about you, but I want to be like God. Pure, loving, humble, Gentle, forgiving. I want to be like God. This prompts God to transform us to be like him. And John says this, that is what we are. Do you want to know who you are? You are the child of God. Amen? We are children of God and we are different from the world. Notice in the latter part of verse 1, John said, The reason the world does not know, him, know us is that it did not know him first. When Jesus came into this world, they did not recognize him, did they? They did not uplift him as a son of God. Rather, they rejected him. They mocked him. They humiliated him. And then ultimately what? They crucified him. So naturally, as his followers of Christ were his child, they rejected, the world rejected Christ, so they will reject us as well because we follow the ways of Christ. I remember my college years when I was in a dorm, living in a dorm, a lot of the guys would run away from me. Not because I was intimidated looking or because I was a bad person or They just didn't want to do anything with me. Because why? Because I shared the gospel with them. And they didn't like what they're hearing. Because all they want to do was party, chase after girls, and drink, and whatever, maybe. But I said, you need to be saved. Because you don't know when this life is going to be over. They were talking behind my back. And they rejected my friendship. But to me, that didn't matter because... What's more important, I don't want their friendship. I want them to know Christ. Amen? Though they may reject me, it's okay. Because I don't want anyone to suffer damnation for eternity. And I'm sure none of you want to do that, right? So it's our responsibility, and this is a side note now. This is our responsibility to to share the gospel and then also network and connect and partner with other churches in the city so that we can share the gospel so that people will not end up in damnation. Amen? 
That's what our tongue is all about. Amen? Sharing the gospel, networking, and partnering with other churches. All for the glory of God. So that the world rejected him and he will reject us as well. In 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 15, verse, excuse me, chapter 2, verses 15 and 16, Paul said this. The person with the spirit makes judgment about all things, but such a person is not subject to merely human judgments. For who has known the mind of the Lord as to instruct him, but we have what? The mind of Christ. We are different from the world. Why? Because we think and behave differently because we have the mind of Christ. I don't have the mind of Nick. Pastor Mark does not have the mind of Mark. Sister Cynthia does not have the mind of Cynthia. Brother Dave does not have the mind of David. We all have the mind of what? Christ. And now John expresses his own love for his brothers and sisters in Christ. Notice in verse 2, John, excuse me, notice in verse 2, John said this, Dear friends, and the Greek word again is beloved. John is basically saying, if you love, if if, if you are loved by the Father, please listen carefully. He says, if you are loved by the Father, and I love you as well. Let me press the pause button here. As brothers and sisters in Christ, and I really mean that, you are my brother and you are my sister, and I am your brother. As brothers and sisters in Christ, we are loved by whom? God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. We are loved by the Father. And if we are loved by the Father, and if we experience His love, then what must we do? Can you say it for me? Love one another. Love one another. And that's what John is saying. Because I am, loved by the, I am loved by the Father, and that's why I'm calling you my beloved. You know what? Let's start a new thing here. When we see each other on Sundays, say, my beloved. Amen? Can we start a new thing here? Because I really mean that. Amen? You're my brother. You're my sister. You're my beloved. So, Pastor Mark, can you say to your wife, lovely wife, and say, you're my beloved? Amen. You're my beloved. Amen. And I am what? I am your beloved. Loved ones, if we love, if we are loved by the Heavenly Father, then we must love one another. That's not an option. That's a commandment. And Uptown Baptist Church, love commandments. Amen. Amen. John says again, now we are children of God, and what we will be has not yet been made known. What John is saying is this, what we shall be has not yet been known or revealed to us, 
until when Christ appears that he will fully reveal to us and make it known to us. Notice in the latter part of verse 2, John said this, But we know that when Christ appears, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. Now let me break it down. There's two biblical truths that we can discover in this verse. One is that when Christ appears in his glory, we will share in his glory. Amen? And we will be like him. And that's what we look forward to. In the beginning, what happened? God created Adam and Eve to share in his glory. But because of sin, it tainted and stained that relationship. They no longer reflected the, the glory of God. But now, because of Christ's work, we as a new creation, we can be like God. And his righteousness. Second, when Christ appears, we shall see him and we will be like him. The end goal is to see God. Right? Why? So that we can be like him. Now, there's a paradox here. In order to be like him, we have to see God. If we don't see God, we cannot be like him. Remember what Jesus said in the Matthews. Blessed are the pure in heart. Why? for they shall see God. So if you and I want to see God, then what is Jesus Christ saying to us? Then our hearts must be pure. If, there's, if, your, if sin has been tainted, that purity, then you need to ask God for forgiveness. Brothers and sisters, in the last day and through eternity, we will be like Christ and be like him. And that is where our hope lies. Notice in verse 3, John says this, All who have, have this hope in him purify themselves just as he is pure. John is saying we fix our hope in confidence in Christ's return. Therefore, we must purify ourselves before he returns. Now, religious, religious leaders of that day, remember what they were so focused on. They were so focused on the ceremonial cleansing, right? That's why the religious leaders bypass the person that was injured. And the religious leaders criticize Jesus' disciples for not washing their hands before they eat. But Jesus said, it's not the outer appearance that determines how clean you are, but it is what? The inside. So Jesus is saying, it's not, so Jesus is saying, and John is echoing that, is that what we need to work on is the inside of our hearts. And the question is that, are we pure in our hearts? And what are we doing to purify our hearts? So that we can see God. John's point is clear. Since Christ is pure, you must do your part to purify yourself. Get rid of anything that stains your soul and do a deep cleaning of your soul before he returns. 
so that you'll be ready at his second coming. Now, our family, we're preparing to sell our home. And so our, the real estate agent came and they said, okay, you need to do some major cleaning. You need to uh, repaint the, the walls and the ceiling. You need to do some, fix some minor changes. And then they looked at my bathroom and said, there needs to be a deep cleaning of your bathroom. <laughs> you know? We'll do a commercial deep cleaning. Why? So that it could be prepared for the potential buyers and they can see it and they will like it. It's to prepare. In the same way, Jesus is coming. Amen? And that all of us need to do some deep cleansing of our soul. If, if our soul has been tainted, if our soul has been stained, and, and, and if, if there's mold coming out of it or building or growing, then we need to do deep cleansing. And the Holy Spirit can do that for us. All we have to do is ask. In closing, one day Jesus will come back to take us home in his glory. Parousia. He will appear. We will see him, and, we'll be, and we will become like him. Remember that, please. Appear, see, and become. This is not a wishful hope like the world has, but it's grounded in the promises of Christ, and we know the truth which we hope in. That will never change. Furthermore, since Christ is righteous, we must practice righteousness in daily. If we do not want to be ashamed when he comes back. Loved ones, beloved, we must be ready. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. I pray that the message that was spoken this morning through this servant honored you and glorified you. I pray that these words that were spoken was from you. And I pray that it would be stuck in our hearts, in our minds, and that it challenged us to become more like our Lord Jesus Christ. And it is He that we long for and wait for one day that he's coming back to take us home so lord help us to be ready help us to prepare for your coming in jesus name we pray amen amen amen, amen.